Welcome to the Crack House Chronicles, your favorite true crime podcast. I am Donnie, and with me is a man that says whenever a kid asks him what it was like growing up in the 70s and 80s, he just throws their phone in the river. It's Dale. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty much it. Yeah. Here, go outside and eat a dirt clod. Shut up. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you kids now, they just they sit on their phone. Got it made. They do. They don't do nothing. Yeah, we didn't have no cell phones like that or anything. Yeah. We had friends and outdoors. And we had... Or at least outdoors. <laughs> three channels on the tv to pick from we had to get your butt outside that's all we had yeah. and you stayed outside from until yeah until <laughs> the lightning bugs come out that or you were told otherwise yeah that's yeah, right yeah. Get, get your butt in the house yeah i'm trying to clean up get outside outside <laughs> that's it what's going on today dude same old same old man no, same old same old that's right yeah you know it big, Gordon big, episode. Big, big day today yeah we got a pretty good episode going on we do we also have yeah, bring it on, Check dude. That out. Our good buddy Chris Wayne dropped by and dropped a few a few dollars in our uh, gas tank. Man. Keep, keep the lights on down around here. Came at a good time. Bills are due. Chris is just <laughs> he's just awesome. He's a good friend of the show. Yes, he is. He is. He's just um, great guy. Yeah, he's can't say enough about him. Yeah, he's a uh, number one uh, Spotify commenter. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So yeah, he's all involved. We appreciate him. He's a great guy, friend of the show, and uh, man. Thank you so much. Uh, helps guy. out the show all he can. Yeah, he does. He really does. Great guy. And if anybody else wants to be like Chris and go to the website and click on the donate button, I tell you, it does help. Man, yeah. And if you just want to tell a friend about us, you can do that too. That's right. All we, that helps. Any of that good stuff. We appreciate it all. all every bit of it. Yeah. Other than that, dude, we got a good episode. What we got lined up today? Well, you know, last week we covered Denise Flum's case. Yeah, the most frustrating case in history. Yeah. Yeah. You know, she went missing in 1986. Yeah. And uh, hopefully we can uh, get some stuff figured out this week, maybe. Because we mentioned in that episode Stacy Reese. We did. She is a detective there in Indiana, and she has some close ties to the Flum family, but she is not in the same jurisdiction as this case took place. Right. But she is heavily involved in it, and she researches it. And like I said, she has some close ties to the Flum family. So we wanted to get her on the show, and she's agreed to do this. How cool is that? And talk about her case and answer some frustrating questions we have about her case. Okay. All right. Stacy Reese, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you for having me on, guys. We appreciate you a whole bunch. Yes. Before we get going, talking about Denise, tell us some stuff about you, who you are, what you do, and go from there. Well, I am originally from Fayette County, which is the county that Denise is from. I was born and raised there. My family's all from there. Most of them still live there. Um, my father was a volunteer fireman. Um, he conducted uh, search parties with other firemen for Denise when she disappeared. My mom actually, my mom and my aunt Sandy, who live in, she lives in Oklahoma now, they babysat Denise and uh, Denise's sister when they were little. Wow. So it's a, it's a very small community. Um, everybody says Carnersville, but we're actually all from Everton, which is uh, about five minutes away from Carnersville. Um, more of a farming area, uh, very tight knit. So I grew up and was raised there. Uh, Denise disappeared when I was uh, almost four, but I was still three at the time. Uh, so she disappeared when I was three years old. And I just kind of grew up. Everyone, um, everyone talked about it. Um, and she was a, a focal point for me. I, I focused on her very young. Uh, my cousins and I, we would talk about her and try to figure out what happened. And so she kind of piqued my interest in law enforcement. Uh, so 
because of Denise and because of what happened to her as I grew up, I decided that law enforcement was the career that I wanted to go into and uh, became a police officer back in 2005, uh, 23, and had come down to Vincennes, Indiana. Uh, and I was with the Vincennes Police Department for 17 years, uh, various positions. But at the time when we started the Denise case back up, when I got in touch with the Sloan family, it was 2018. So at that point, I was a detective with Vincennes. I've since left Vincennes, and I'm now with a different agency, the Washington Police Department, and I'm a detective there now. So Denise has just kind of pushed me towards that direction, I guess you would say. That's just awesome. Yeah. Very, very cool. So Denise went missing on March the 28th of 1986. Correct. The night before, she had went to a bonfire slash party. And, and the reason she went missing was she went out the next morning on the 28th to look for her purse that she had supposedly left behind or, or forgotten or something. Or whatever, yeah. 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 So Denise, uh, she attended it was a, it was a rather large party. There's not much to do in Connersville. Uh, so back in the eighties and nineties, a lot of kids would just have big bonfires. Uh, they'd go out to different farmer fields or, maybe at a house if a parent wasn't there and you might invite 20 but almost 200 people might show up depending oh, yeah. on how the word of mouth spread yeah um so denise had been invited to go by a couple other friends um she decided to go she was picked up they they went out there she actually stopped in glenwood on the way out there and she was very proud of herself because she looked older than 18 so she was able to use a fake id <laughs> and purchase some alcohol for the party we actually mentioned that in our episode because yeah. we knew about the the legal age limit for buying alcohol there at the time and i was like how did she buy that how did, did she have an yeah, older friend she, so yeah no she was pretty proud she <laughs> yeah, from what her friend said she was able to Convince him she was 21, so she was able to get some alcohol. Okay. That, that cleared that up anyway, because we were curious about that. We didn't know if she, yeah. how she was able to purchase that. Now, th this bonfire, was it on um, uh, the Benny's land, their, their family? No. No, it was not on their land. It was on a different farmland. Okay. Um, it was a... It was a gentleman that, you know, his parents weren't there at the time, so they just, they had a party. Okay. And Denise went there. Um, sometime during the course of the night, she misplaced her purse. Um, and she did look for it that night, uh, but she wasn't able to find it. And so she ended up leaving uh, with a friend, that friend's boyfriend, and then a male friend of the boyfriend um, that Denise had been talking to at the party. So they all ended up leaving. Uh, Denise was brought home, went to bed, and then when she woke up the next morning, she had made mention to her mom and then that, hey, you know, I left my purse. I need to go back to that party site and try to find it. So she didn't actually drive out to the site. She rode with someone. Correct. Okay. I was, mm. Yeah, I, I just assumed at one point that she had drove out there. She drove the Buick Regal out there, but no. Okay. She, she did the next day when yeah. she was looking for the purse. However, the night before, she had gotten a ride with friends to the party. Okay, that clears that up, too. Yeah, cool. <laughs> yeah. Good, good, good. So she goes out the next morning, I guess, well, it was after lunchtime, to go look for her purse. It's around 1230, mm -hmm. I think. Yeah. yeah. And... Her mom had come home, I guess, for lunch about that time. She told her mom she was going out. Mm -hmm. Did she? She called some friends to ask her to ask them to go out with her, and none of them could go. 
Right. She called several people um, asking if they would go with her to go find the purse. Um, she asked her sister. Her sister couldn't. Uh, eventually, she decided that she would just go out. At some point, she'd actually called someone and got directions. Um, we're not sure who all she called because they didn't pull phone records. Mm-hmm. So it, I, I don't know everyone that she called. We just know the people that have said, hey, yes, yeah, she did call me. Um, so she walked out of the house. She talked to her neighbor, um, who actually just recently passed away. Um, oh, but she talked to her neighbor for a little bit, talked about college, how she was excited, um, because she'd been accepted to Miami University, which is in Oxford, Ohio. And then she left. And from the time period of her house to the location of her car and the time that a farmer said he spotted the car, she pretty much would have almost had to have went directly there. She wouldn't have really had a lot of time to go to town or just drive around. It was almost like she left her house and directly went to where that car was found. So do you think maybe her having to ask for directions to where the bonfire was, she maybe took a wrong turn and ended up out there somehow or another? Or, or? I don't think she was too familiar with the area. Um, it's a lot of country roads. Uh, if you don't go out there often, it is kind of easier to get uh, turned around. Uh, so I think she was going away that she knew how to get out there. Uh, and it, that could have been the way they went to the party the night before also. I mean, we don't really have a clear-cut understanding of which direction they took. I mean, it was so many years ago to ask those girls now if they remember the route they took to the party. Yeah. So to us, to to me, when I looked at it, I took it as Denise went that way. And maybe my theory has always been she passed someone she knew and pulled the car over there and got in with them under the assumption that they were going to go to the party site to get her purse. Hmm. Okay. That but that's hoop. just a theory. It could be completely wrong. It was a good one. Yeah. When did the purse return back to the home? Ironically, that same day, um, Denise didn't realize it. It was a, a friend, but kind of a distant family relative. Um, there's nothing suspicious about this person at all. He had been out cleaning the party site. He located Denise's purse. Since he knew her, he just he brought it back out and gave it to Judy Flum. Um, mm-hmm. And that was the same day that Denise had actually left to go to the party yeah. site to get her purse. So it's kind of sad when you think about it. She didn't really actually have to leave to go find it. Yeah. Man, yeah. It's awful. Do you know how much time difference was between Denise leaving and the purse coming back home? Do you know the... It, it wasn't a very long period wow. of time. Um, it's like it was, an hour or something. I think Judy reported, Judy came home, talked to Dave, and I think they tried to report Denise missing. It was around 8 o'clock that same night, so the purse would have been there. Denise left around 12, 12-something. 12 mm-hmm. The car was spotted around 1-something. So we'll say the purse was returned sometime between probably 2 and 6. Golly, man. Man. Yeah. Too bad she didn't have a real bad hanger and didn't have to leave. Yeah, really. Just felt bad. <laughs> yeah, I'll check it yeah. for it. Yeah. Sad. That just blows my mind how the, the short time amount of time it went on. Right. So the farmer spotted her car on his property later that afternoon, but he didn't say anything about it. He just thought some people were, I guess, what we had read was mushroom hunting or or Correct. something. Yeah. 
the where where it was pulled off at the time, there was a barn there. Um, he spotted it. He was on his lunch break, basically. So it was a little after one. Mm-hmm. Uh, when he seen it, he didn't think much of it. He just assumed maybe somebody had went out there to park, was mushroom hunting, never thought anything of it, didn't think anything of it until the next day when word of mouth started going around that, hey, you know, Denise didn't come home. We've got a young girl missing. They gave a description of the car. And at that point, he called local law enforcement and said, hey, I believe I know where the car is. I seen it yesterday and gave them the time frame. Okay. So is it true that her parents got to the car before the police did? I can't say exactly who got there first. Um, David and Judy are very active in their daughter's um, case. And the initial investigator on the case was Denise's cousin. That's Ted McQuinley. Yeah. yeah. So likelihood is that they did get there pretty close together. But that would be something David and Judy would have to comment on. Right. So we've listened to a lot of podcasts on Denise's case and read a lot of stuff. And a lot of misconceptions we've heard. Was law enforcement at the time as negligent as we've heard and read about in recording events and her? No note taken yeah. and all this stuff? Uh, there, it's in his head. <laughs> um, that that's he's He has said that, um, that he kept all of his notes in his head. Mm, what the so, heck, man? Uh, I would say they always say things are done differently in the past than they are done now. Yeah. Um, the way it was handled then is not any way that a case should have been handled. Mm-hmm. So, right. I will. I will just leave that statement as that. Okay. Yeah, we're not trying to get you in trouble. You're just bashing anybody. No, but you're we're just okay. like, I'm like, I... man, they should have watched Law and Order or something. At least they got a pen and paper. <laughs> so. Yeah. Um, I wouldn't. I would not have handled the case the same way that it was handled. I'll just. I, I think that's probably the safest way to say it. Right. Yeah. Do you think it had to do with maybe McQuinley being kin to the Flum family? That he handled it that way, or is that just his mm-hmm. nature? Well, um, I don't think it has to do with being related. Uh, I think that's just the way he did. So. Probably just Mr. McQuinley's nature. Yeah, and I guess it's all right if you really good at remembering stuff but it don't help anybody that's coming behind you to go and to pull this back up if you don't solve it you should never in law enforcement go off of memory um any class that you if you go to any classes or you watch tvs and you watch law and order uh people's memory can be deceptive yes. um, people tend to remember things how they perceive them right. so you are better off to document at the time of course you know it's 1986 they don't have access to cell phones and they don't have the technology we have now um, so a lot of times older investigators back then you know kept a notepad and exactly. or a little tiny mini cassette tape recorder and you would document as you were going yeah uh, documentation is very important in cases so 100 so when the car was found was there anything disturbed around it um, that they noticed or anything amiss in the car a lot of people ask that at like it was there any kind of sign of a struggle at the yeah. car and there was not there was not it's almost like it was parked there um the seat was in a position denise would have had the seat in uh, it there was nothing about the car that really stood out to them it's almost like she drove it to that spot left it and then just walked away from it yeah now we had heard that the car wasn't even uh processed you know taken in to just give it back to the family but then again I saw a uh, a Facebook post 
where it looked like the car was actually inside of a building with a guy going over it, and you had commented on it with his name and what he was doing. So, which one, which one's right? It was processed. It was processed by the Indiana State Police. Okay. Um, now, it was processed after people on scene, Detective McQuinley, was there. <laughs> Uh, so I don't know how valuable the processing was afterwards, but it, it was at least attempted to be processed by ISP. Uh, once it was processed, the car was eventually given back to the Flums, and they did. It's been sold. They don't have access to that car. Mm-hmm. So if she drove it there, or somebody followed her there, and she got out and got in the car with someone else, they couldn't have been anything on that car. Right. It wouldn't have been nothing to find. Yeah. Right. Would that? At least that is my like i said that's a theory we honestly don't know true um, yeah. we, we don't know why the car ended up where it did we don't know why she wasn't with the car um, but the keys weren't with the car so i would say if you're looking at it logically logically she probably parked took the keys and went with someone yeah it is reported the Flum family went out the next day to that area and they found a red handkerchief or something that wasn't there the day before. Is there anything to that? There, There is. Law enforcement actually was watching the area just to see if anyone would come back um, once the car had been located there. And the officer that was there uh, stayed until a certain time. It was late at night and then got pulled off of it. I don't know the reason he got pulled off. Um, I, you never really get a clear answer on that if he had mm-hmm. a call that he had to go to or if he was just pulled off and no one relieved him. Um, but after he left, a red handkerchief was supposedly found left at that location. So let's talk a little bit about Denise's ex-boyfriend, Sean McClung. Mm-hmm. Um, they had broken up, I guess, maybe a month before she went missing. Was Correct. anything you'd heard or talked to anybody about that it was a amicable breakup? That they everything was cool between them at the time? Hunky dory. Yeah. It depends who you ask. Um, if you ask Sean when he was still alive, he was quoted as it was it was fine. They talked about dating other people. Um, that there was no bad blood between the two. Um, if you ask others, Sean was not ever happy if she dated anyone else. Um, Sean, after Denise, uh, if you look up his history, had a lot of relationships with domestic violence charges. Mm -hmm. Um, so it would all be speculation. I mean, there's nothing concrete, but you can't ask Denise how that relationship ended and you can't ask Denise if it was actually friendly because she's not around to ask. Yeah. Um, so they're solely going off of Mr. McClung's word that it was, that it was friendly and that it was okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I don't really buy that. Mm-mm. They've been together a long time and that happened. I mean, it's not going to be just, okay, go ahead. Yeah. He might say that, but I'm sure he's not feeling it. There's a lot of feelings there after several years, you know, Yeah, that young too. Yeah. Yeah. And you have to keep in mind, he was her first boyfriend, really. He right. was her, her first serious boyfriend. Um, so, you know, we, we do have some letters that Denise wrote to a friend that uh, it was a really good friend of hers that had transferred schools prior to that school year. Uh, she was a swimmer, went to a school that had a better swim program. 
so we have those letters where they wrote back and forth and and in her letters uh, Denise indicates that you know there was some tension there with Sean that he necessarily wasn't happy if she would talk to someone else she never says that he hurt her by any means but you can tell from her writing that things weren't the picture that Sean tried to paint right hmm. and that's kind of what I was thinking yeah so how close was the property the bonfire was held on to the uh, Ben Johnson property? Was it close by? Not very far, some miles. I think that's something that when, if anybody in the city listens to your guys' podcast, they're like, oh my God, miles, that's a long time. But if you're from the country, I mean, driving an hour to go eat somewhere isn't that big of a deal because things are so spread out. Mm-hmm. Um so some miles away, but not not anything that is something she wouldn't have driven to. Um, it, it would have been very close. It would have taken her maybe maybe 15 minutes, 20 minutes to get to where she needed to get. Okay. How, how much land did Ben Johnson own in that county? All of it? <laughs> they, they own quite a bit of land. Um, there's, a, there's a lot of families there that have... Uh, big areas of land um so uh the johnson family does have quite a bit of land out there yeah okay i just figured they were pretty prominent the way this kind of goes what about this cabin that we mentioned in our episode about the johnson family owning that they were going to have a party at and they went out there and cleaned up and there was some blood found in the, the cabin there there was a um person that came forward uh that stated that there had been a cleanup effort at a cabin that um, did belong to that family uh, that they were out there helping to clean and that they observed what they considered a large amount of blood. Um, the story that they were given was that a different couple had been out there, a young female, and that female has passed away. She passed away not long after um, all of this, so she can't be interviewed, um, but that she had lost her virginity and that the blood was from the sex act uh, mm-hmm. and her losing her virginity. So with no pictures, um, without being able to ask that young lady, I mean, right. could it have been something like that and it got blown out of proportion? Yes. Could it have been something else? Yes. We, I, we don't know. But they never went to go check it out after she came forward. As far as I know, no. But I don't have access to local law enforcement's notes so they could have and i just don't know it right what a little bit of notes they are i guess yeah right <laughs> right yeah yeah so kudos for you for, for knowing anything with the mess you you took on here yeah so it just seemed to, to dale and i that the johnson family they sort of protected benny pretty quickly i don't know he just like disappeared under the radar put up a wall around him yeah yeah is is there anything to that Well, I think that you have to keep in mind that everyone should be considered a person of interest until they're not. Um, And law enforcement typically will look at the people closest to you first and then they spider out. And that wasn't really done. So no one can really be eliminated. Um, That's what makes it difficult. So there are things that do look suspicious when you talk of that family. Um, but it's also a small town mm-hmm. and a lot of rumors and a lot of theories and a lot of suspicion falls. So when I, when I talk of that family, I would just say 
there were some things that are interesting, but they could be nothing. Um, so I don't want to sit here and say, you know, Mr. Johnson is the person because we don't know. Mr. Johnson may have had nothing to do with this and he may just have the unfortunate problem of having some mental illness and making some comments that got taken very seriously that maybe he didn't um, actually mean. Yeah. So I think you need to keep in mind that anybody that's been mentioned or thought of, they're just a person of interest. We can't really say they're a suspect. So I'm, I'm, I'm pretty leery of um, just coming out and accusing the Johnson family of anything. They could be completely innocent in this and as much of a victim as the Flum family is. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Um, or they could not be. <laughs> so it's kind of... It's kind of a um, it's kind of a tricky situation there. Yeah. So did when you know in the family did he actually go to them and tell them that he didn't kill their daughter? The Johnson family did request to speak with the Flums, and and Benny did speak with um, Judy and David. The extent of that conversation they have kept private, and it's not something they necessarily would want. Um, released at this point hmm. I understand yeah 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 i was just wondering if this that was what was reported and that was like basically the first thing out of his mouth and we just got like whoa i i will <clears> confirm <throat> to you that yes they did meet with them soon after denise disappeared and benny did speak with them yes okay so at some point the ex-boyfriend sean mcclung he moves out of town he goes to arizona yes not long after denise disappeared how long are we talking about weeks or months? within a few months okay so it wasn't like too suspicious it wasn't like the next next day or next week or something no but it was pretty soon okay uh now his family had moved out there um his family had moved and he had then moved to go be with them supposedly um but it is interesting to note prior to denise disappearing he did not have any interest in moving uh so you have to take that uh into consideration that he moved only after something happened with Denise. Okay. <clears throat> it is also something you should note that everyone in that town participated in searching. There's not a soul in that town that did not want to look for Denise. And there are certain people that didn't seem to care or help in any search party. And Mr. McClung was one of them. Wow. Wow. Yeah. I'm, I'm just blown away by that. Yeah. He didn't participate at all in anything. No. Did he ever speak to the Flum family? Did they ever reach out uh, to him? They, he did at one point speak with Judy when she was working at the bank, um, and he brought her. Denise was wearing a Motley Crew t-shirt when she disappeared. It was a concert she had went to with Sean. Um, and at some point after Denise disappeared, he did come to the bank and, and gave Judy the shirt that he had gotten at the concert um, that oh. was similar and was like, "Here, here's the shirt. And that was... That was pretty much the extent of the conversation. He uh, he never really talked much to the Flum family. Hmm. They're young. I don't I don't know how I would act in something like that. I don't know. I can't. I don't know. But it's just it's just weird not to at least go search for. Yeah. To me, I think you look at how you would how you would respond, and everybody does respond differently. Um, I can say that at eighteen years old, if my partner that I had broken up with disappeared, I would still have some feeling of concern there and would have at least reached out or helped in the search party or 
you know, mm-hmm. had some concern that someone I had spent so many years with was gone. Yes, definitely. So. So at some point, Sean comes back to that area in Indiana. He Correct. moves back. Correct. Or is he talked to at any point after that, or is he? Uh, current law enforcement did talk with uh, Mr. McClung. Um, obviously, if you've seen the documentary, you see that he was in their facility at Fayette County, and they did talk to him then. Um, and he did make admissions to them um, of his guilt. He then later recanted. Uh, but that's, I mean, that's a common thing for people if they make admissions once they get an attorney to recant. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so it could go one of two ways. It could mean that, you know what, he didn't have anything to do with it. And he just said what he said for whatever reason. Uh, or it could be, oh, crap, I am going to get in trouble now. I probably should say I didn't mean that. So one, it, it could go either way. But Mr. McClung is deceased now, so you can't really speak with him anymore about the incident. Mm-hmm. So uh, that, And that's the problem that you're running into with Denise's case is it's almost 40 years ago. And people are dying. So you're losing witnesses, you're losing people that were possibly involved, um, and you're not going to be able to go back and and get those people. So at some point, Sean is taken into custody, and he's taken out to look for Denise. When he admits to killing her, they Uh take him out, and he says he knows where she's at, but he can't identify anything or locate where she's at. Correct. Correct. And again, that's one of two things that is legitimately he doesn't know where she is, so he can't tell them or you guys do true crime. You do podcast. Um, A lot of times people that have power and control issues, that's the last bit of power they have is where she's at. And to tell where she's at gives that gives that away. So. It could just be they don't want anyone to know where she is because she still belongs to them if no one else knows. So I think yeah. you have to look at it that it could be either way. They gave me cold chills. Yeah, because I was about that. thinking about that. Yeah, and <laughs> consider that they belong to them. Wow. But they have that mindset to think that. Right. Yeah. So. Mm. Denise was a uh, very smart, uh, very talented, uh, outgoing, and I think that's something else you need to keep in mind when you keep when you think about people. Denise's family, Denise's friends, people that know Denise described her as outgoing, friendly, nice to everybody, good at sports, smart, um, knew what she wanted in life. When you talk to certain other people, including Mr. McClung, um, his description of Denise was she didn't really have friends. Uh, she clung to him, basically. She, no one liked her. She wasn't that nice. Um, so, I mean, the description is a lot different than who she actually was. So I think that's something you should probably keep in mind as well. Wow, that sounds to me like something that he would be feeding her trying to I'm sorry. So it's something that he would be feeding her to, like, keep her down, you know, under his thumb or much. And then when she broke free, he probably didn't take that well. Denise was going places in life. Yeah. And some of these other people weren't. Yeah, she had so, her stuff together. 
She she really did. She was she was top six in her class and doing while doing three sports and then all yeah. this other stuff and everything ready to go. Yes, brilliant, brilliant girl. Yeah, she was a um, she was a wonderful young woman, and it is a shame that justice has been denied for her for so long um, and to her family for so long because of how things have been handled. So correct. Where does her case stand today? Is it just just sitting out there? Somebody looks into it every once in a while? or So after the show aired, um, the Flum family had reached out to the Indiana State Police. Um, the Indiana State Police here have a system now that if families feel like their case is stalled or that maybe the state police's assistance could help with getting resolution in their case they can reach out and they will then um, utilize their services uh, so the Indiana State Police was contacted shortly after the show actually aired uh, and they did agree to come in uh, and work with the Fayette County Sheriff's Department and that was always the goal of the Flum family was to get the state police involved so once the state police got involved um, I stopped um, investigating it independently and uh, allowed the state police to kind of do their thing. So I have not been actively involved in the case other than I maintain my relationship with the Flum family since probably 2020, 2021. I don't remember when the show aired. Mm -hmm. 2022. It's been a long week. I can't remember the year that the show <laughs> aired. So. But I'm sure you read every article you can find on the on the case when you come across it. Yes, um, I, I keep up to date. Yeah. Um, but like I said, actively investigating it, I'm not actively investigating it this time because the Indiana State Police are involved. So uh, I trust that that agency um, is doing what they need to do. They're a good police agency. Um, the detective that is assisting. Um, is in communication with the sheriff's department. So that is from what the family has told me, that is what they wanted. And that is where we're at with it right now. There's one other thing I was wanting to ask you too, about the, the Johnson family. There was a search of a pond they had. Mm -hmm. Was it extensive so that we that heard pond about? That was not theirs. That pond is the bird sanctuaries pond. If you're talking about the pond that was drained. Yes. Yeah. Um, Fayette County has a large uh, bird sanctuary. It's called the Mary Gray Bird Sanctuary. It is close to Johnson property, but it is actually the bird sanctuary's property, and they cooperated. Uh, there had been some talk of Denise was allegedly placed in this pond on the property, so the Fayette County Sheriff's Department um, got with local fire departments and volunteers and they drained the pond and um, conducted a search of the pond. They did not locate anything once it was drained. Mm. There has also been Indiana canine. Um, they're an independent group. They've come and checked multiple sites uh, for the family. Um, and those sites have been checked after um, they've went through and, and unfortunately they've not been able to locate anything utilizing that either. So I guess the only thing we didn't talk about, what about uh, Mark Hughes? Did you think there's anything to that guy? 
I, I do not personally know, but I do think you have to keep an open mind. So that was something that I did look at. What I looked at, nothing indicated to me that that was someone to focus on okay. by any means. But, you know, I'm just one person. So right. I am fully willing to admit that maybe I could be wrong on that, but he was not someone that I was that interested in. Okay, we'll keep him on the list, but, you know, just put him over to the side for, I guess. And it could be somebody totally off the radar that they hadn't even looked at it very well could be i think when you look at denise's cases and you look at all of the um, factors a lot of times when these cases happen law enforcement if they don't solve it very quickly um, and people in general just want to believe that it's something sensational that a serial killer came through town and abducted her and killed her and that is why we can't find her that it that it isn't somebody that we go to church with or that we have had dinner with at some point someone that we know um but if you guys have done this for a while which it sounds like you have and a lot of your viewers have probably watched true crime and listened the likelihood is that you are going to be harmed especially if you are a female by someone that you know very Um, true and to me the way denise's case played out and with all the information I've gathered I believe there's a solid group of people that should be looked at and they are all people that Denise knew mm-hmm. yeah just um, I think uh, Larry Hall was mentioned too and I don't know Larry Hall being out there in the middle of nowhere to do something to her I don't I, that's just that's a that's a stretch to me far pitch yeah yeah Larry Hall is an interesting character because he confesses a lot and then recants yeah um so Mr. Hall, um, for your viewers that aren't familiar with him, uh, is a person that was convicted of kidnapping. He was never actually convicted of the homicide, um, but convicted of kidnapping. He kidnapped a girl in Illinois, brought her over into Indiana, and disposed of her body. Uh, And then while in prison, a gentleman, um, he actually wrote a book. I I can't remember his name. Was it Jimmy Keene? I think it was, yeah. A gentleman was put in prison and befriended Mr. Hall, and an officer of the law actually got Mr. Keene to be an informant, basically. Um, And he wrote a book, and in the book he talks about how Larry detailed all these people that he killed and where these bodies are located. Um, And then he bragged to Mr. Hall, basically, hey, I'm an informant, and I got all your information, and you're screwed. And... (laughs) And then they didn't actually come in like they should have and gotten Mr. Hall's stuff, and Mr. Hall supposedly destroyed his map and, and all kinds of things. So in the book that he wrote and then in a book that a gentleman that was from the same area that Mr. Hall was from, they briefly mention a list of names of possibilities that Mr. Hall could be involved in. Mm-hmm. And Denise gets thrown in there. And, you know, she's 18. She's from Indiana. She's in the time frame that he was supposedly active. But that's the only tie. And I can tell you from talking to other law enforcement officers, um, he was mentioned in some of their cases, said he did it, and then DNA showed someone else did it. So Mr. Hall likes to brag about things that he's probably not involved in. Okay. He's more of a serial confessor than a serial killer, sounds like. I would say he has killed some people. I would say he probably has been involved with some of the names that he's mentioned, but I just don't think you can believe him with everything that he says and i don't i personally do not feel from what i looked at that mr hall is a likely suspect okay okay 
Yeah, no, he was talked quite a bit about him in some articles we'd read. And, yeah, it just seems a, a stretch for him to be out there in the middle of nowhere. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Let's see. Uh, the hog pen. The story about the, the lady hearing the, the screams from the hog pen. Do you know if that was ever checked into? Uh, her daughter actually um, recently just passed away. And uh, she was a very adamant vocal person that her mama her mom did talk um she the her children pushed her to report it to law enforcement and she was blown off um and they didn't it didn't fit the problem that you have is if law enforcement gets tunnel vision and that's why i said you have to keep in mind these are just theories it could be something else you have to keep an open mind it could be larry hall it could be joe schmo just blew through town and did something you have to keep an open mind because they got tunnel vision very early on. Mm-hmm. And if it didn't fit their theory, they discounted it. So they discounted her and never really looked at it. So if it was true, it was not looked at very well. And it's hard to go back 35 years later to verify it. Yeah. I believe she heard something that day. I believe there is a chance that she did hear Miss Flum. But we can't say that for certainty. Yeah. Wow. Well, is there anything else you want to add to Denise's story that we haven't mentioned and and hadn't been talked about much that you'd like to talk about? Her. um, Yes. Everyone focuses on her disappearance. And if we're being honest, her death. Miss Miss Flum's not alive. Um, But I think that the focus... And, and that's why we agreed to do the show was that the focus was more on her and who she was. She was a beautiful, smart, funny, friendly, loving young woman who had so many goals in life. And I actually just talked to Judy about it the other day. Um, she maybe wasn't physically here on earth but she has impacted so many lives. Her friends grew up impacted by what happened to her. They raised their children in a way because of what happened to her. Um, I grew up to get into law enforcement. Um, and I've told Judy, anyone that I've been able to help along the way, Denise has actually helped because I'm the police officer I am because of her. Right. I do the job the way I do it because that's how I wanted people to handle her case. I love it. So yeah. Kate, uh, Kate Thurston, who's a local news reporter there, she was impacted by Denise. Um, everyone in that town, that entire town, Denise affected their lives. If they were alive when she was alive, if they've been born since she's been gone, Denise Flum physically may be gone, but talking about her, having podcasts on her, keeping people interested in her case. That is what's important because she was a human being who did not deserve to have her life taken from her when it was just really beginning. Totally agree. Yeah. Well said. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's all we talked about in the first one until we did. I mean, she just had everything in a row. She was very focused on what she wanted to get done. And she was so far ahead of everybody else it seemed to be is you know getting where she wanted to go brilliant very tra- very tragic no doubt about it well we appreciate you stacy reese for doing this and you actually reached out to the flum family judy flum to okay this interview to do with us and we appreciate her 
consent a lot. Judy wants her daughter to be remembered. Um, yeah. So we, uh, you guys are very, um, you're very good at what you do. I, I listened to some of your stuff um, well, thank you. before I agreed to anything and talk to Judy um, because I, I will not talk to anyone without Judy's permission. So um, she was very happy that you guys were willing to do a story about her daughter. Yeah, we just wanted to, we've done an episode on it. And we just reached out to you to try to get some clarification on some things. And just because it was so frustrating trying to find out what happened. And when we tried to find out what happened, it's like, is this can't be true with all this this negligence you know so really appreciate you and your insight and knowledge to come in here and try to help clear up a little bit of this stuff i think you just have to keep in mind people always think it's so weird that it was so negligent that it's not a rare occurrence denise's case is not that's a pretty common thing <laughs> mm -hmm. uh, i just don't know that you'll find people that'll be vocal enough to tell you that it's negligence so right yeah I guess us, us armchair detectives sitting back looking at it and saying, man, why didn't he do this? Why didn't he do that? But, you know, I guess you coming in saying that it was uh, a little bit maybe old school detective work. Just keep everything in your noggin. Yeah. 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 Not good. No. Well, Stacy Reese, we certainly appreciate you and our, our thoughts and wishes to the Flum family. And we'll keep them in our prayers. And hopefully maybe one day we get some answers on Denise Flum. That's that's everyone's hope. Thank you guys for taking the time to talk to us. Well, thank you very much, Stacy. Thank you. All right, thank you. You guys have a good one. You too. Bye bye. All right, Dale. Again, we want to thank Stacy Reese for for everything, man. Man, not only for you know giving us her time today, but for her, her really her dedication to this whole thing, man. Yeah. I know she had ties with it when she was young, and it's pretty much uh, she pretty much took her path after you know being around this. Yeah. And uh. So it's just really cool, amazing. We really appreciate it and uh, a lot of great insight today. And we want to do our part to help keep Denise's story out there. That's right. In the eyes and ears of everybody who listens. Yeah, and hopefully, you know, I'm glad she came on and cleared up a little bit of stuff. Makes a little bit more sense to us. What yeah. some stuff that, you know, was that she could figure out. And uh, now it seems like it's in the good hands of the Indiana State Police. And maybe we'll, maybe we'll find out something, you know. maybe I'm sure they're taking notes. Yeah. Oh yeah, they're writing <laughs> yeah. stuff down. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. They're getting it going out there. So, so uh, yeah, that's that's amazing. That's all I wanted to do was get them involved and see what's going on, and you know, get some outside looks. Yep. We want to thank Stacy again, and thank you for your service, what you yes. do for law enforcement. Very much so. Much appreciated. Yes. All right, Dale. We're gonna get out of here, bud. All right, let's roll. We want everyone to be safe. Please be careful out there, and always be aware of your surroundings. Because the next episode could be about you. This is the Crack, Crack House, House Chronicles. Chronicles.